Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 55, titled The Parable of the Mustard Seed. So I think this is our third podcast in a row. Jesus is continuing to offer multiple parables to drive points home, give people analogies, and help them understand. As you can see, there's another vegetation analogy used by Jesus. So three parables in a row using plants. Now, just something to keep in the back of your mind. Let's not forget the Garden of Eden as we go through another parable. Something else to consider, too, is remember in the Garden of Eden the tree of knowledge of good and evil versus the tree of life. So if we view Jesus Christ as the tree of life and we view the enemy as the tree of knowledge of evil, that might be helpful in our perception of the gospel reading. So let's go ahead and dive into scripture. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 through 33 says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air can come and nest in its branches. So as you can see, Christ was trying to give us a growth analogy, a progress, almost like a progress analogy, real progress too, not progress, I should say, not progress that is truly degeneration, because that's the thing, right? People will say, oh, this is prog- progress, and it's actually degeneration. So Christ is talking about true spiritual progress. Christ was saying that the smallest and least of the seeds grows to become mighty to the point where animals can come make homes. Now, homes ideally, when people are obedient of Christ, of course, there's a caveat because that causes issues if people don't take captive every thought to be obedient to Christ. Homes ideally offer rest and protection from the snares of the enemy. So let's go ahead and dive in to some church father commentaries. We need to make sure that we understand everything thoroughly because they're the subject matter experts in the early church, right? Before anybody broke away from the church Jesus Christ started. The following information was taken from a commentary on Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 by Hilary of Poitiers, who was an early church bishop and doctor of the church. The Lord compared his reign with a grain of mustard seed, which is a very pungent excuse me, which is very pungent and the smallest of all seeds. Its inherent potency is heightened under stress and pressure. Therefore, after this grain is sown in the field, that is, when it has been seized by someone and delivered up to death, as though buried in the field by a sowing of its body, it grows up to become larger than any herb and surpasses all the glory of the prophets. I thought that was a brilliant commentary. I thought that was fantastic. And so one of the things I think Hillary's trying, saying rather is that Christ's reign on earth was very small. He hadn't established his kingdom yet. He, he merely offered the gospel, which was the seed of the kingdom, right? His death, the death of his flesh, um, the resurrection, and the apostles sowing more seeds, right? Propagating that growth. His kingdom, even though it's not here on earth yet, His kingdom will grow into the mightiest kingdom the world will ever see. When Christ returns, we're going to see him with all of his glory and all of his angels by his side, and he'll be carrying out his will on earth, uninterrupted by the will of man. So people don't think, 
I know, understand that God's sovereign, but he's not a tyrant, so he's not going to undermine will in some sense. He's going to convict will, but he's not going to forcefully change will. He doesn't do that. It's, you know, he's free will is a thing for sure. And so he'll, the Bible advises us against things, but at the end of the day, our free will, we can make whatever decision we choose. It may not be a good decision, but we can still make that decision. We have the freedom to make that decision. The return of Christ's glory, by the way, a good Bible verse to read on. It's Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. So he's going to show up with all of his glory. That's a, it's an awesome, and that's Jesus explaining his return in Matthew 24, verse 30. So in case you want to read up on that. So let's read some more early church father commentaries and, and see if we can extract more meaning. The following information was taken from a commentary on Matthew chapter 13, verse 31, by St. Jerome, who was an early church theologian and doctor of the church. The preaching of faith in the gospel appears to be least among all tasks, when this tiny gospel teaching that seemed insignificant at the beginning has been planted either in the soul of the believer or throughout the world, it does not turn out to be just a plant. It grows into a tree, so that the birds of the air, which we interpret as the souls of believers, or deeds dedicated to the service of God, come and dwell on the branches. So St. Jerome's talking about what Mark wrote in his gospel. Mark chapter 1, verse 15 says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So here we need to understand it's not just believing in Jesus Christ that we're called to do. We're actually called to believe in the gospel. That is from Jesus' mouth. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus doesn't mean believe one line in the gospel. doesn't mean two lines. Obviously, he's God. When he, sent that, when he said that, he meant the entire gospel, not whatever part we feel comfortable with. Jesus means we need to believe in all of it. And so that includes all the way from Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through John chapter 21, verse 25. Let's look at one more commentary on the set of verses, this parable rather, and then we'll bring everything to a close. The following information was taken from a commentary on Matthew chapter 13, verse 32, by Hilary of Poitiers, who was an early church bishop and doctor of the church. Now in place of the herb, the preaching of the prophets was given to ailing Israel, but the birds of the air dwell in the branches of the tree that rises high above the ground. We see the apostles as branches stretched out by the power of Christ and overshadowing the world. The people of all nations fly there in hope of life, in disquieted by the whirling winds, that is, by the breath of the blowing force of the enemy. They come to rest upon these branches. So here Hillary is saying that Christ is the tree and the apostles are the branches. And people seek rest from the chaos of the wicked one by seeking out Christ. So chaos, typically, unless someone's just bent at creating chaos, when someone oftentimes experiences chaos, it makes them long for order. But let's play with this idea that Hillary said. Let's kind of put things into perspective. Let's push that idea a little bit further. So if the apostles are the branches, would the church fathers be the limbs? If the church fathers are the limbs, would the true believers and those with authentic Christian faith be the foliage or the leaves? We need to understand our part in all of this. We need to understand that there are those before us who are subject matter experts in Christianity. <clears throat> and honestly, what we believe hinges on a lot of that. If you follow the tree analogy all the way back to the roots, 
to Christ, we're all connected. And we need to understand that, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to understand that there are many people planting weeds that lead people astray. We have groups of people out in the world right now that's reinventing the wheel, and that is a form of pride. Make no mistake, another denomination, another denomination, another denomination, right? Calling themselves Christians, explicit heresy, right? Non-Trinitarians, for example. They say they know Jesus, they say they know God, but their teachings show otherwise. We need to be humble and not reinvent the wheel. We don't need to allow pride to move through us and be, or be deceived by our pride. We need to be humble and study Christ first. That's the number one priority. Study Christ first. Number two, study the apostles second. And thirdly, study the church fathers. That order, if you follow that in that order, if you become a diligent student of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you become a diligent student of the Didache, and apostolic writings, and then you go on to be a diligent student of the church father commentaries, it won't, it, at that point, it will no longer just be knowledge. You'll have a greater understanding. And it's not enough just to read. It's not enough just to have knowledge. We must understand. And there's a big difference between having knowledge and understanding. You can read something all day long and not comprehend it. So the purposes of reading the Church Father commentaries is to take knowledge of Scripture and transform it into understanding. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.